You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey folks, welcome to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. I am Steve Jenkins. Today we're just going to go right into it. My guest this week is Teddy Kumpel. Teddy is an amazing guitar player who lives in Brooklyn. He's played with people like Joe Jackson, and he was in Joe's touring band for the last few years. He's played with Ricky Lee Jones, Phil Lesh, Feist, Marshall Crenshaw, and a bunch of other people. He's also played on soundtracks to movies you all know and love, uh, like Anchorman or Talladega Nights. And besides that, he's also a great audio engineer. He's worked on a bunch of different records. Teddy and I became friends sometime back around 2013. I was still living in New York City at the time, and I used to see him play a lot at a club that, if you're familiar with New York at all, uh, the club was called Rockwood Music Hall. And between 2011 and 2018, he had this weekly residency, and it was called Lupistra. And basically it was Teddy, his guitar, his voice, and some looping equipment. And he would have a different rhythm section every week. There weren't any rehearsals. The idea was just to play. And basically he'd set up songs on the fly and whoever was playing would have to follow that. And it was awesome to hear all the different people play. Um, It was basically all the musicians in New York that uh, I was friends with and you know I loved hearing play so sometimes on bass it would be people like Andy Hess or Tim LaFave or James Genus, Jonathan Marin, Fema Efron, people like that and sometimes on drums you'd get like Aaron Comas, Sean Pelton, Jojo Mayer, Aaron Steele, Josh Dion, like all kinds of people were in there. I actually had the honor of doing two of those Lupister gigs And what's cool is Teddy somehow managed to archive all of them, and they're on YouTube. So if you go to his website, which is teddykumpel.com, there's a link to YouTube, and you can check some of that stuff out. Uh, Honestly, talking about this is kind of bumming me out a little bit. Uh, Just in, in light of current state of things, like that being no live music and stuff, but I hope we can get back to that soon, and I hope we get to a time where something like Lupistra can happen again. In any case, I spoke with Teddy a few weeks back, and here's how our conversation went. Um, Go ahead. Cool. Um, well, thanks for doing this. What's been What's been going on? Oh, you know, the regular... No, just kidding. <laughs> and, you know, the regular pandemic shit. You know, wearing masks and same as everybody else. You know, staying <laughs> home. Um, you know, at first, well, I don't know. I don't know where to start. What's been going on? Yeah, no, it's any any place is good. Just you know, what we're like three months into this now. We are. We're getting used to it, and not in a good way. <laughs> right, I, I agree with that. Um, I think when it first started, I was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of seeing it coming because my wife is Taiwanese Mm -hmm. and back in January, she was like, Oh boy, this is not going to be good. 
this is going to come to us and the us isn't going to handle this well i was like what now nah, what are you talking about get out of here <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean we're the greatest but, country in the world come on yeah man. exactly right. but uh by about february 1st i got on board with her and i was like okay i see i see what's happening it's going to europe now and it's getting really uh, intense and uh yeah you're right it's gonna come over here and we're gonna have to be ready so we started getting ready in february for it and getting our minds set into that stay home mentality and and uh taking care of business and kind of getting some things set up so that we wouldn't have to worry too much um so then when it came around and there was no gigs i was like okay as expected everybody else was freaking out and i was sort of okay you know sort of mentally okay at least um which felt weird because it it surprised me that nobody else saw it i was telling people the whole time from february but nobody really believed me um yeah um and then when it came my friends were all like oh my god how did you see that coming it's like, oh, it's my, my wife just told me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just follow her, man. You know, she knows more than I do, that's for sure. Um, and so that gave me, like, some kind of strange confidence in the beginning of it. Um, not to feel like I was better than anybody else, but to feel like we had kind of, like, set ourselves up to be okay. Um, but that... You know, over the last three months, that slowly eroded into what, what where we are at now, which is just like, oh my god, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, I mean, you know, we're we're all facing this weird, like existential. Ah, it's 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 very strange, man. Um, it is, yeah. Because everybody I know is sort of dealing with it differently, but kind of the same, you know, like it's a weird, it's just a weird, uh, it's a weird thing to, to try to process. And, uh, I don't know if you, this is how you look at stuff with, you know, cause, cause like we've been in this game for a while, like, you know, like sometimes you can envision you, you know, a lot of things are based on like having a vision and projecting what stuff's going to be in a few months. And this kind of has thrown a wrench into all that. Yeah, so, there's no way to predict anything. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what a lot of people have a hard time with. Like, I've been kind of – that's been messing with me a little bit, you know. But I still feel like at some point there will be some kind of normal that loosely resembles the, the previous normal. and uh, The before times, Steve. Yeah. Do you remember the before times? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Have you been Have you been playing a lot, like just, um, like on your own, like just for the hell of it, or have you just kind of? Has it been one of those things where you're not? It's like a day to day thing, and you just don't know. Um, I've immersed myself in my studio. I'm really lucky to have a full fledged studio at home. Yeah, and um, so I've been working. I've been mixing for people and playing on sessions and having uh, daily get-togethers with my friends on Zoom where we try to conquer the latency. Um, we do this Facebook Live show every day, every weekday. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called The weird. Show, right? Well, we just call it Show. Oh, okay, yeah, drop the the. 
No, the, yeah. That's cool. I think someone else, I think that would be like, someone else has a patent to that, man. So you guys, you saved yourself a legal bullet by just calling it show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, 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 you know, probably you can't really copyright, copyright just a word. Yeah. I don't know. I don't you guys are safe, man. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, nothing but, nothing but open fields as far as that goes. Yeah. Plus it's not really a show. <laughs> I mean, CBS has contacted us about being on late night after late, 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 late night night. Right. Um, but we said no, cause we're not really a show. Yeah. I mean, you know, then you got to like figure out other shit. Like you got to have like a staff and hire interns and uh, <laughs> then you got to get people to like reset the router every couple times. So nothing bad remote, happens. Remote interns. <laughs> How does Uh-oh. that work? I don't know. I mean, that is one thing I've found kind of interesting about this time period. It's like, uh, I don't know how active you are on Instagram, but you know, everyone's like, everyone's streaming. It's kind of like, what if musicians got into cable access all at once? And then that's like what's happening right now, which is kind of cool. I think. Right. It's like the eighties when we had like Manhattan cable. (laughs) Oh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not hip. I think I've seen stuff that looks like it could have been on there. Um, but I'm not, I can't certainly say that, that I've seen any of that programming. Mm. Right. Like bad audio and sort of like people in their living rooms just doing stuff. It's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that aspect of it. I think, uh, it's fun to see your friends doing stuff. And, uh, we really try to make our show have good audio. Um, if not for any other reason, so that we can listen back to it and I go, Oh, that sounded pretty good. And it's really just more about just us hanging out and having a nice time and staying connected. Cause we're a band. Well, yeah. this band, this band I have called Noam Sane. And, uh, the other two guys are the two main guys in the show. So cool. we just really just do it to hang out and keep doing music. We jam. How does it work with the late, like, so you've been doing this for a few months. Like, how does the latency thing, do you have any tips? Like, are you kind of on the cutting edge of finding a cure for latency? And then, because I I feel like that's the next thing we're going to see. Like, someone's going to crack it. Well, I think to some extent we have cracked it. And uh, it's not mysterious. Um, What we do is we each have a Pro Tools session open. And we use an audio movers plugin. You know that plugin? It sends sends perfect audio over the internet. And um, it has a sender plugin and a receiver plugin. So before, you know, when we get to soundcheck, each of us sends our link from the audio audio movers plugin to the other two guys. And we paste it into our receiver plugins and we, you know, copy the link from our send plugin. So now each guy has receiver channels of the other two guys. Um, And the way we work it is I'm the one who's sending to the stream. So whatever I hear is what the people are hearing. So all I have to do is delay the drums to match the bass and then play along with it. And that's what the people hear. Wow. So it actually sounds like it's in time for the most part. I mean, the internet moves as the day goes on. So sometimes it's a little bit funny. Not funny enough to make you go, oh, that's not good. 
<laughs> when we first started doing it, we didn't care. We just played out of time all the time and really avant-garde and you know, just like worked with it. Um, and it was still enjoyable. I got to say, like, I, I miss those times actually. <laughs> is the internet generous with where it places stuff? Like, is it like, does it put everyone behind the beat and make everyone sound relaxed or is it, uh, is it, is it, does it tend to like make everything just like how, how, did, how would it move the time exactly? Like, well, what we found is that you can actually measure the latency between people. So I'll have the drummer, Matt play, I'll have him count off one, two, three, four, and then play a snare drum on one. And the bass player will do something on one also, and I'll record it in pro tools and then measure the distance between those two things. Damn. You know, and that's pretty good. That that's, that's the, the latency that that's what I have to set the delay at. Um, the other way to do it is find out what tempos work with that delay and then just play at tempos that work. Oh shit. That's crazy. So that, so that the bass player is always an eighth note behind the drummer and the guitar player is always right. Like a quarter note behind the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, yeah, I mean, you can actually like play musical things. You can't play things that have downbeats. Um, you can't really play a song, huh? but you can jam and it sounds in time to everybody. Wow. But, so the way we fix it now is, uh, <laughs> the people hear it nice because I delay the drums to match the bass and then the bass player and drummer delay the third guy to match the drums to them. So Bob, the bass player delays me to match Matt, the, the drummer, and I'm not going to be on the downbeat with him to Bob because he is delaying it me. Right. Mm -hmm. So if Matt, if Matt says one, two, three, four, all hit on the downbeat, I'll be a quarter note behind him with the delay that Bob puts on me, huh. but it's, but it's in time and it's satisfying. And the funny thing about it is that the overriding factor is the camaraderie and the feeling of playing together in a room. So That's, we end up not caring that it's out of time sometimes or that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we get this awesome feeling that we've just spent an hour together, like jamming. Wow, man. That's, that's pretty killer. That's a pretty killer. Uh, I mean, that's cause I think that's definitely something that, um, you know, like the one, the one workaround I've seen, which is not really the same thing at all, but it's like, you know, everyone records stems and then they combine them and they shoot their own video and put it together. And it looks like, you know, like this weird rehearsal slash Brady bunch intro, you know, like we have all these mm -hmm. different windows and I think that's like a cool way to make music, but it's, it's far less collaborative in real time compared to like what you're describing. But I, yeah. I would, uh, we do that. I do that too with some other people, and I love doing that too. Will Bernard and me, and and Heron Johnston and Ben Zwerin do a lot of that stuff. That's great, also. Yeah. But it is. It takes time. You know, you don't have time to always just whip out something with your video camera, and you you know some of the things that they're putting together are a little bit complicated. So, you know, you have to practice it and do a few takes and get it right, and then turn in your video camera. It's a different process. Yeah. Yeah, it's been cool though. I've been it's been good just to see people doing stuff. I think that's mostly my take on all of it, man. If people are making stuff, at least they're at least hanging on, you know? Like it's not 
it's not dire yet. Um, exactly. Yeah. But, um, how's it been, how's it been out your way in Brooklyn? Have you been like going out and stuff or you just been like hunkering down? Um, well I have asthma and a heart condition, AFib, AFib right. relation. So I, been staying in the whole time. Just this week, I started going out on my bike. Um, and my asthma is allergy-induced. Okay. So it's uh, I don't have it all year. I just have it like April, May, June. <laughs> okay, so we're in the we're in the thick of it then right now. So I would have been inside anyway. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't get my yearly allergy shot this year, so so going outside wouldn't have been smart, especially since there's tons of people on the street and. You know, getting the COVIDs be pretty easy over here, Steve. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the the, the COVIDs. <laughs> My next door neighbor said to me, "You get the COVIDs yet?" <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, it's 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 a really weird thing, man. This whole this whole the threat. Like, I feel I definitely believe if if you could visually see COVID somewhere, it would make it way easier. You know, like people could could instantaneously I mean provided like people would have to know what it looks like but can you imagine like if you just like walked into a room and you saw like some kind of a uh, some kind of a aura like I would imagine COVID's a kind of like virus that has an aura because like you know it's it's pretty diabolical so like maybe there's like a purple glow <laughs> like a purple glow or something and you're like oh man that's don't sit in that corner because there's like COVID over there or something <laughs> I just It'll think make it that, a lot easier yeah like, I mean, maybe that's what I'm not saying that, like, the efforts to find a vaccine or fruit are, are like, not, not isn't, you know, I'm not saying it's not time well spent, but maybe like a second effort to visualize, like have a COVID visualizer where we can like spray some stuff and it shows up like that would be because that's really the part to this whole thing. I, like now I'm being serious. That's the part to this whole thing that is really strange is just, uh, how much it's affected normal protocol. Um, whereas like before, you know, I, I would go into like a place to get groceries and not really think about it. And I'd probably be distracted. I'd probably be on my phone texting someone while I'm grabbing stuff. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you know, it's become like an episode of mission impossible. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's just, there's like, there's like a, an element of fear there that never used to exist. Um, even though I think people have been really good, at least where I am about enforcing uh, the mask rule and, and, you know, everyone seems, I guess the one thing that seems okay, relatively okay to what this whole thing has been is people seem to be in good spirits or have a sense of humor about stuff. You know, like it doesn't I feel like there's an element to all this stuff that can get really contentious. And I'm certainly, you know, I have my moments where I'll like, I'll flare up and, but you know, like I don't really think I'm. A, I don't really think most people hate people. I just think people are baffled by someone's behavior that would be like a potential hazard to like the greater good. So I don't know. Like I was in line the other day at Trader Joe's, and someone got a little bit too close because uh, the line was moving, and I was, hey, look, you know, that's not six feet. And we laughed about that, but uh, you know, like it's it's just a weird. We're in this weird parallel existence right now. Yeah, and it's easy to forget that stuff too. You know, I found myself in supermarkets where I'm like looking around and I'll pick something up to read the ingredients because you know there's certain things I don't want to eat and 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 it has something in it that I can't eat. And then I put it back and somebody will look at me like, oh, 
you put it back and you touched it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't read it far away and I have to find out what it's in it. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess that's not really cool now. No, nah, um, man. It's, you know, yeah, thinking for the greater good is not something that Americans are used to. <laughs> definitely not. Um, no, definitely but, not. And, but so that could become something that's really good that comes out of this is that people will be more community-minded and, you know, love your neighbor. And But um, I think another aspect of that is that people can become really anal about other people's mistakes and behaviors towards, you know, like my intention of picking up the thing wasn't to harm anybody, but I, I wasn't thinking about anybody else when I picked up the, the food to read the label. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, um, it's a really good time to revisit the idea of forgiveness and, um, to, uh, think about, you know, everybody's doing their best that they can do. And everybody, anybody who reminds you, even if they're mean about it, probably isn't really a mean person. They're just scared. Yeah. You know, like that lady in the supermarket who yelled at me for picking up the thing and putting it back. She, She's not a bad person. She's just trying to protect people. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely sometimes you can temporarily forget that that element to it. There's been I've had a couple interactions since this thing started like that weren't inherently that peaceful. Um mm-hmm. and I think some of it comes from the fact that uh and I'm not look, I'm not one to like I'm not a woe is me musician type person where it's like, man, we're always getting fucked by like the streaming company. Like I'm not like that. Like my, you know, I definitely have my gripes and stuff, but uh, like I definitely have, have come to understand that at least as far as the live component of playing music goes, like that's going to be maybe the last thing to really come back, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in the ways that it was part of part of life before, you know, because um, like there's a couple places that are starting to have some stuff, but um, you know, like I love hanging and playing at the baked potato, but I'm, I'm not going there yet, even though they're starting to have people play there and they're distancing. Like, I just don't know if I want to, I don't know if it's because like I'm scared of the virus or if I'm not really prepared to see the new reality of how that shit would have to work to be safe, you know, or you just, or you're just smart. I mean, this is the first reopening and the first wave isn't even done yet. It's still sweeping across the country. Yeah. To me, to me, I mean, in my personal opinion, the whole way this is being handled by our government and, uh, even local governments is not good. It's really just not smart. And we could have avoided the entire thing, of course, if the federal government took, took a stand early on. Um, but now that it's here, our local governments have been, um, because the federal government won't step up and make the rules, right? The, uh, the governors and, and local governments have to figure out the best way for them. And because of politics and, 
people's attitudes towards things and freedom and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> right. You know, they're uh, bending one way or the other and it's not consistent across the country. And that's dangerous to me. I think we're, we're still not even out of the first wave and we have places opening up that shouldn't be opening up at all. Uh, yeah, it is absurd. Just, just going to get worse. Like I keep reading about Florida and how horrible, like they had 2,500 new cases in one day a couple of days ago. And they went from, you know, 400 new cases a day for a couple of weeks to that because they opened up too early. You know, and people, and also people don't give a shit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so ridiculous to me, man. Um, but I, I think, think also, this is also where our diversity is uh, uh, not necessarily good, right? Like a place like Taiwan where everybody is exactly the same, um, pretty much, you know, they're pretty homogeneous. The government can go, okay, we're doing this now. And they all go, oh, that's smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, 95% of people wear masks and everything's fine. And they have six deaths since, you know, December. But uh, that doesn't work here, unfortunately. No. Our, diverse, our diversity of politics and attitude is our Achilles heel in the coronavirus season. It's definitely the perfect storm because um, they, you know, essentially science has become politicized, um, which in a way that like really hasn't, it's not going to bode well for, for what goes on with this. But yeah, that's, I, I feel like all the rational people who can see this stuff, like now we're the fucking crazy doomsday preppers, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Like the tide's yeah. been turned, you know, like everyone that can kind of see this thing a few steps down the road who, you know, their, the mindset is let's just like do the safe thing. And now that, you know, all those people are going to be made to feel like they're crazy, but um, I've never minded being called crazy. No, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but do you think the doomsday preppers of, of the before times, um, are now the freedom people? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can be that general about it. I think everybody's got their own thing. Yeah. No, I think I think so too. Um, I think the doomsday preppers, the real serious ones from before, are probably all going, see? <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Right. Like, oh, okay, right. Yeah, you know what? All right. I know I said 2021, but, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. I was off by a year, you know? Told you you need a bunker with tons of toilet paper in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, I can definitely say I've definitely, I've definitely been, I've I've been seeing toilet paper, uh, in the stores again, which is, which is good. You know, like it's good that people have realized that there's not really a, a problem there, you know? Um, Cause, cause that was definitely an interesting thing. Like I remember feeling like, oh man, this is what it's come down to. Like, yeah, people are people are that scared that like they're gonna hoard toilet paper. And I, I'm embarrassed to say, man, like going into this thing just by sheer coincidence, I had like 70 rolls of toilet paper, you know. And it's only because like I bought a giant thing of toilet paper in January, then I bought another one just because it was on sale. <laughs> and, and then I had, you know, then like 
when it when it became obvious this was going to be a thing, I bought a couple more. But even in that, even at that phase, no one could say that was hoarding because like I just got it. You know, it was like part of my other grocery run. I was like, oh, okay, I'll buy a pack of six just because it's right. there. And like, why not? Um, so that's been like the least of my worries, man. Like, which is, which is cool. It's like, that's the last thing anyone wants to worry about. I think, uh, in all this, like not having a, not having like toilet paper and like paper towels and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was pretty strange, uh, leading up to this because I had a feeling at NAM cause I'd been hearing about this and, uh-huh. uh, I've talked about this a couple times on here, but there was a point where there were rumors floating around of some shit going happening in hall E like the downstairs hall, like someone had gotten sick or someone had gotten like carried out on the stretcher and it was like they had pneumonia or something. And hmm. you know, I mean that sound, it just sounded like some kind of tale from the campfire. You know, it didn't really, no one knew who this person was, but the person I heard it from isn't one to, tell stories like that. So, so I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, but, uh, I ended up, you know, I've never caught the dreaded Namthrax before and I sanitized my hands like in between every interaction and stuff. And I never ended up getting sick, but my thought was like, I bet, I bet this thing is probably close by if it's not here already. And, uh, you know, a couple couple weeks later, um, we were in the thick of it. Like I kind of knew by February, yeah, it was gonna be a it was gonna be a problem. And uh, the last few gigs I did in public, I was playing with Mark Letary, and um, Mark had some gigs in Northern California that he had a different rhythm section for, and like those were already starting to get canceled and moved and stuff like that. And that was that was definitely a week or so before uh, they addressed it federally and talked about the shelter in place. But yeah, I'm with you. Like the, if there was an opportunity to make this thing go a different way, it was definitely squandered. Yeah, totally. Kind of unbelievably really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, man, it's, 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 definitely weird it's not it's not something that that um i would have ever foreseen um but but you know here we are in this whole uh whole mess of it um you're not getting out of this anytime soon yeah i mean do you do you think it's gonna be years is that kind of the vibe you you assess from this uh years i mean there's no way to know that i think you just have to go with the flow and and uh hope that some i mean the scientists are working on vaccines and treatments and all kinds of things and um but yeah nobody knows anything and everybody's saying saying shit (laughs) so i'm not gonna be one of those people right 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 you know that's cool that's that's i respect that answer man that's (laughs) that in a nutshell has been the world for 20 plus years you know no one yeah. Yeah. knows anything and they're all saying shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why should I listen to this person? I, they don't know anything more than me. I mean, they're just on TV or whatever. Right. I can tell you what would make me inclined to listen to one person over another. And it really comes down to their production ethic, you know, 
like if someone's shot shot some video and like they know about color grading and they're using like cool fonts and shit i might listen to them for a second you know right but <laughs> but, but if, <laughs> even but if, if it's on fox news uh, you know fonts well, I, nah. no no you know, they like haven't fox they haven't fonts? no yeah. they've been using the same shit since like uh <laughs> since like the late 80s right like True. even if fox news Comic Sans, I wouldn't listen to them, man. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> but um, well, because okay, like, have you been watching anything? Because I've been watching a lot of documentaries, not not related to coronavirus, but just in general. And and I found like there seems to just be an overabundance of documentaries. And so my reasoning for this is like, okay, if it looks cool, like if the if it looks like it's well shot and they're using like cool fonts and stuff and the transitions look good, I'll watch at least 10 minutes of it before I'll decide if I'm going to commit to it or not, you know, cause there's, there's just all kinds of documentaries on Netflix and, and um, Amazon prime and Hulu. And some of them are terrible, but some of them are great. Like I yeah. watched, watched the ZZ top one. That was pretty cool. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. That would be a good one to see. Yeah. Uh, what do I? I mostly watch like Kirby Enthusiasm. I I started again the whole entire thing from the beginning. I think. I'm oh, like right season on. two now. It's such a great series. When he sees his therapist and the thong on the beach, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, that show's amazing. And Twilight Zone. I just love the Twilight Zone. That's like so smart. That show. The original one, or yeah. the okay. yeah, you ever go through the original one from the fifties? It's so good. I've seen just a couple episodes, uh, like the some of the more classic ones, like the uh, the 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 one that's called I think it's called To Serve Man, um, the one that's like about the aliens, and um, they're like, have you, have you seen that episode? Like you know what I'm talking about, where it's like I, uh, I don't remember seeing that one. I remember there's two of there's two episodes that are in season one that are um, to do with aliens and outer space, but I don't remember. I don't think that's one of them. Okay. So all right, so I don't want to spoil it, man. Even though it's like a classic, <laughs> you can <laughs> even yeah. even though it's a classic episode that you've probably seen. I think the premise is like these benevolent benevolent aliens come down and like kind of like help humanity but it's all under the guise of they need ingredients to cook them you know like it's like a to serve man <laughs> is like the cookbook or something you know to it's serve like, man as as a dish right fantastic yeah but um yeah no i have to i have to dig into that show again man i i know like i've enjoyed all the stuff i've seen but i definitely haven't seen all of the episodes there's one episode where a punishment for somebody doing a crime is they put you on an asteroid by yourself. And so this guy is on this asteroid by himself and he's got a little tin can house to live in and they keep bringing him things to entertain him. They feel bad for him, you know? <laughs> and at some point they bring him a giant box and inside the box is a robot woman. <laughs> The guy opens the box and he's really mad. He's like, it's just a machine. Yeah. It's a robot. Yeah, I don't like it. And then the robot starts talking and, and it's so she's behaving exactly like a normal woman. And he 
falls in love with her over time. And um, then they come back like six months later and the guy's in love with her and they want to, and his uh, sentence has been um, ended by the government. The government said, okay, no more asteroids for prisoners. So we have to end it and they want to take him back to earth, but they can only take a certain amount of weight and they can't bring the robot. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and he's in love with her and they have to kill the robot. So the space, the, the jailers shoot the robot in the face and there's all wires sticking out and the guy's crying and they, yeah, it's awful. Damn. It's pretty heavy though. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. That, that's cold blooded, man. I can't believe I they know, did. I know. It's cold, but it's awful, and it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a component of science fiction that I always think is interesting, like the the introduction of morality and like what uh, those kind of decisions that people have to make to like you know survive whatever the whatever the challenges in, in the story or whatever. Um, it's a tough world out there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It, it sure is. Yeah. Um, what kind of uh, what kind of music stuff have you been doing, like session wise? Are, are people making records? Uh, or are you kind of just collaborative things, like stuff for spots? Like what's the what's you the know, records? Uh, other things, mixing, uh, whatever you know, whatever needs to be done, I'll do. <laughs> that's cool right on man have you been writing yeah. anything uh well right before the corona season um my band and i wrote a whole entire record so we've we've been slowly dripping those out into the public with videos um that's another thing i did in corona season is learn how to do final cut pro and make stupid videos i've become a bad video editor basically Bad video <laughs> professional. <laughs> Bad video how? Like everything's in sync with the audio for like half of it and then like one of the guys starts to drift? Like that kind of bad? No, video? not that bad. Okay. No, just just like low concept, kind of like lame -o, you know. No Brady Bunch stuff, but definitely uh, containers with people in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I would like to think of it now, man. Like yeah. people are just in boxes. And, uh, no, I mean, Final Cut's definitely, that's what I've been using. And, uh, I've been sort of shedding some stuff with it because, uh, it's, it's, um, I don't know. There's always something to learn, especially if you're going to use like different cameras or like different collection of, of, uh, videos to correspond with the audio. Um, but I got one of those iRig streams which has made me lazier about making videos because what that lets me do is I can grab audio from logic and then shoot the video on my phone. So if I want to make a minute long video where I'm just playing some shit, I don't have to like, you know, I don't necessarily have to put the audio and then video into final cut. I can just shoot the video on my phone. The audio is great. Cause it's coming from logic. You oh, I see. Yeah, and then you just open up the thing and trim it so it's like a minute and then upload that sucker and it's like, you know, like it never happened almost. That's how fast it is. That's cool. Yeah. So it's been cool. I haven't really streamed anything yet. I'm starting to figure that out for uh, 
like how how would it work like what kind of a set would it be um you know i don't know i'm a logic guy so like i've been trying to learn some of the newer things that like the stuff they basically stole from ableton live and put into logic oh, yeah, those, those loop cell things yeah yeah those are cool yeah i think so i mean that you're no stranger to that though man that's like your uh that's your whole that's like one one component of your whole thing man the loopistra oh yeah well that you know the boss looper and infinity loopers that i used only had like three or four tracks but the logic thing that they came up with is incredible i mean <clears throat> i guess ableton does that too where you can have like many 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 loops that you can turn on and off and you can group them together and have them as sections that you turn on and off and go to right yeah that's pretty amazing yeah so if you want to like make it in a song kind of thing you know you can have like your verse tracks and then you can have like your pre-chorus and chorus tracks like and i guess um the this the controllers that work well with those things like the launch pads and stuff i know that works with logic so um no i don't know man i mean that's that's the thing i've been thinking about it's like i'm i've been I definitely am one of those musicians that doesn't miss playing live all the time until I start to really miss playing live. Um, Cause you know, I'm, I'm happy to like play and create stuff at home and make tracks and I can feel pretty fulfilled by that, you know, but it's always been with like having gigs as like the third part of it, you know? So yeah. it's like, I feel like it's well, it's, there's a balance there that, uh, <clears throat> You know, like now I'm missing it. Now it's like, okay, I, I wish I could play, you know, I wish I could play with people in, in real time in the same room and stuff. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm not ungrateful for the tech and for the other stuff to stay creative. But yeah, like it took me a while to start feeling like, okay, this there's a, there's a void here. Because um, I know some musicians, that's just their vibe. Like they just want to play. Like they don't care about, studio shit they don't really care about the tech thing they just they're out playing all the time whereas yeah. i'm kind of like maybe out there 50 percent of the time but you know if i can do tracks from home and make stuff and write stuff for people and i'm just as happy to do that so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a weird thing are there any um are there any places in new york yet that are talking about like streaming live shows like uh any of the performance spots or whatever, or is are people still kind of just focused on the stuff's closed until the indefinite hold is lifted? Uh, I don't really know the, the full answer to that. <clears throat> I know Rockwood has done some streaming, but th what they'll do is they'll get somebody to stream from their house and then they just broadcast it on their channel. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I, I think Dave Sokol at, at uh, you know Dave right at uh, Euphoria Studios is gearing up for that. Like he's he's got a some kind of heavy duty uh, bacteria killing lights all over the studio now. Oh, okay, yeah, right. I've seen, I've seen. I think I've seen him post about this. Yeah. So he's he's a smart guy and he likes to do business and he survived. He's like a cockroach of of rehearsal studios, really. <laughs> he'd be the first one to tell you that I mean um, so I think he's going to come out of this pretty good because he set himself up for that probably like, streaming and stuff yeah yeah. Um, um, 
but I don't know. I don't know the answer. I know that there's been some really strange, to me, strange things going on, like a bunch of people partying on St. Mark's Place a couple of days ago with no masks and just young people going crazy. Uh, um, yeah. The protests from what the reports I'm getting, of course, I can't go out of them because of my health stuff, but um, everybody I know says the protests are completely peaceful and the only thing that's going on that's not peaceful is the uh, looters and, and the police. Um, and also, from all accounts, the protesters are wearing masks and when they don't, the, the elders of the protesters always clamp down on the younger people and get them to kind of get with the program. And it seems to be pretty successful that way that's encouraging yeah um, uh, but i i uh, uh yeah there's some strange strange you know it's a strange time and strange things are going to happen there's no way around it and i think it's going to take us a while to get used to this reality and be okay with not uh pushing against it yeah that's that's well said man that's definitely um that's the part that I think is really difficult to, uh, to like process, you know? Um, cause I, cause I think, I think if people knew, if people had like a, I mean, everything's kind of based around, I feel like society's based around important dates and deadlines and stuff. And, you know, we're at the, we're at the whim of like, whatever this is gonna actually be, you know? And I feel like, um, I kind of remember before all this thinking like, what would, what would it be like if days were 48 hours? And now I kind of feel like I found out because time aside from a couple things doesn't seem to exist the same way it once did, you know? Yeah, that's for sure. Right. Like, uh, it's very strange. It's all stretched out. It's yeah. either stretched out or compressed and you can't figure out which is going to be which, what day. Yeah. Like some days I feel like I'm ahead of that curve. And then other days I wake up and I'm like, fuck, man, is it 2.30 already? Shit, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> Have you been, uh, I know you wake up late. Uh, I mean, have you been sleeping less or more or what's going on um, with you? Well, it, it's, been, it's been very up and down. Like lately I'm on a sleep less pattern um, because like, sometimes I can get really disciplined and you know, like I can, I can do that thing where an hour before I know I want to sleep, I'll stop looking at screens and I might just read a book or, mm. uh, you know, try to like kind of mellow out without any real entertainment or stimulation. Like I'll just try to like sit and, uh, you know, not think about very much. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it meditation, but I would call it like a, a, uh, a very, very uh, definitive attempt at like just, you know, shutting everything down. So, um, but lately, just because there's been a lot going on, uh, it's it's hard to uh, hard to like shut it off completely, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the the protests didn't come very close to where I live because I'm in Sherman Oaks. There was there was like something up the road towards like the um the courthouse in van nuys but it was it was mostly peaceful it wasn't there wasn't like a whole lot of stuff going on um yeah I, but i don't know man I, also i live alone so i feel like 
Um, that's been cool, but it's also weird because like my entire connection to the outside world has been through tech, you know, or like, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I just had the first time in this whole thing. I hung out with my friend, um, you know, Matt Rubano, right? Like we, he lives in, yeah. he lives in Echo Park. Matt's been like my really good friend since like the nineties. And, uh, we, we like went for a socially distanced walk and then there's a taco place that's open and they had a patio. And so that was like the first time I hung out and like took the mask off to like, uh, eat tacos. And there was probably like four other people back there and it was super spaced out. So it didn't feel safe at all. Uh, or it didn't feel unsafe at all. It felt like, cause I've been pretty, pretty like sensitive to the risk factor and all this. Like, I, you know, like I, if I go to the grocery store, which, um, which I do, like, I don't really do Instacart or, or Amazon fresh. I just found it's like easier just to run in. Cause there's a point in the day where it slows down and nobody's in there. So, but like, even if I'm doing that, like I'll wear a surgical mask and then I'll wear the bandana over it. Um, I'll say this, man. I, I think when this shit's over, I'm still going to wear a fucking mask. Cause I think it's cool. You know, <laughs> we have to all get designer masks. Yeah. Like, um, it says your name on it. Hi, my name is Steve. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't tell you, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this without, without being insensitive to the fact that like, there's so many factors that would make this wrong or like, um, you know, like it wouldn't be the same for everybody, but given what, what's happening, like we're in this pandemic, like I remember I walked into, uh, the bank and, you know, I have this like black bandana that looks like shit like gang a gang member would wear and you know like like dark mm -hmm. shades on and a black hat like black baseball cap and like i have like a black t-shirt on and i think i was wearing like these camo pants and like sneakers and looked like i was gonna like do some shit in there and i was just like yeah can i get 20 dollars in, in rolls of quarters you know like that was that was where it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah man <laughs> that's funny yeah um, <laughs> can I have, can I have $10,000 in unmarked bills? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, like, and they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, banks are pretty well set up for this cause they got the plexiglass, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they don't have a lot to work. banks and maybe like certain bodegas and parts of Manhattan and Brooklyn. They're, they're totally set up for this kind of stuff. Um, just from having like the, the barriers and whatnot. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't know, man, that's all of that stuff has definitely affected my ability to like wind down or like, you know, if I'm just going to kind of be up, I try not to resist. Um, if I can't sleep though, like that's the thing I like, get, if I was like really fighting it, it would be, it would be awful. But if I can't sleep, I just, I'll get up and do something. Um, yeah, why not, right? What's that? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I've been I've been playing a lot of bass, man. Like I've been shedding and kind of working on different things and uh it's been fun just to do that, you know. Um like yeah. without really wondering if any of that stuff's ever going to be able to manifest in a live context. Like it's just been fun to work on things and, you know, um kind of get some different 
different things under my fingers. It's a good time to do things that you didn't, that you put off before, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, for me too, I've been doing like a decent amount of remote session stuff. So I've been kind of fine tuning certain types of uh, sounds. Like if, you know, just from like different instruments I have, like just trying to get like, what's the best setting for this? What's the best setting for that? Like I have a few, I have a few preamps I really like, but um, you know, like I have one bass, like it's a really good music man sound. And uh, uh-huh. so, so I've been trying to figure out how to like, you know, EQ that the best or like what to leave flat. I don't know. It's been cool. It's, it's given me time to like perfect some things that I hadn't really spent much time messing with. Um, mm. And then I've been working on learning how to use a sampler. Like that's the other thing. Like I've been, <clears throat> I got this teenage engineering thing called the PO 33 and it's just like this tiny sampler. And I've been like, making little things, which I'm going to start posting soon. I'm just not done with what I'm working on yet. So that's been fun. Cool. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah, man. It's been, <clears throat> it's been cool. I've been like sampling like weird shit, like uh, some Billy Cobham drum shit off of my Vishnu records and then turning, turning it into like weird loops and stuff. Oh like yeah. That's going to be good. Yeah, man. Trying to slow it down. I agree um, with you about the, uh, the masks and the probably handshaking will not be a thing much anymore. No, you know, for the next foreseeable future, but such a strange. Yeah. Um, I think that the other thing that might happen is that when we get out of it, it might be like total rage out time musically. Like the twenties, you know? Oh Yeah just a renaissance of art and um, meaningful sonic evolution. That's, that's my hope anyway. Right. After the Spanish flu was the twenties. Right. The roaring twenties. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely know that. Um, I definitely think it's going to be an interesting paradigm because um I can only speak to this personally, but I definitely think there's a, there's an element to stuff that you just, you kind of take its existence for granted just because um, it's like a fundamental part of the outside world, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. I never really thought we'd see a day where there wouldn't be a place. There wouldn't be a way to like go see live music or, or, um, you know, just hang at a bar. Like it just seemed like that's an, that's an unflappable part of society. And yet here, here we are in this, in this whole, uh, this whole thing where it's like anything involving people being close to each other is on hold, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so I've, I I find that to be, you know, like, I think a lot of people probably subconsciously are, are grappling with that on some level also, because, because that's the thing. It's like on there's, if you think about all the things that correspond to just playing a gig somewhere, or like even like a festival, it's like there's probably besides the musical component, you've still got like all these other things Like you've got like the food vendors and like the people mm-hmm. that do security and the Porta Johns. And that's all, all those things exist because 
the the mass gathering of people makes that a legit thing to have in there. So it's like, I think just taking for granted how things fit together is something that probably won't be that common anymore. You know, go um, to the bathroom in a bar. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, yeah or just. I don't know, man. That's, like, that's Steve, that's something that we would have done in the before <laughs> times. <laughs> What's great is like you're not using anything to get that effect, man. That's just you can do that naturally. I just think about it, and my voice has reverb on it. It's amazing. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's a skill you have to really like hone in on. I mean, because because yeah. it's like. What if you're trying to go for more of a room sound and oh, and the hall thing comes out before right. well let me see if I can make the room thing happen uh like like if I was playing in a folk band or something <laughs> the times they are a changing is that that's kind of a roomy yeah yeah that's just my brain I just made that happen with my brain right that's like a room without an area rug to absorb any of the sound yeah exactly sounds good sounds expensive man it sounds like a, that apartment that room's in is probably like three grand a month right is that <laughs> that was uh actually the ocean way studios room plugin oh cool hmm. that's cool um what have you been using? Like, do you mess with any stuff like Kemper or like the um, Axe Effects or the HX Stomp? Are you in any of that stuff? Or are you on some like, nah, man, I'm into just cording to the amp and some pedals? Uh, both. I mean, I have an HX Stomp that I, I do like it. Um, I have never tried a Kemper or an Axe Effects, although I'd love to. Gotcha. Um, and I'd love to try the Ox. And then there's this new one, the Boss Waza amp thing. That seems like it's even better than the Ox. Okay. Um, um, probably it's probably it sounds better, and the the pictures of the gear aren't as good. That's probably been my experience with between Boss and UA. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been using the HX Stomp for amps, and it works pretty well. I don't use it for recordings. I use amps for recordings. I have tons of amps here. Oh, right on. Tons of mics and tons of different guitars and weird little instruments so um, I'm very lucky Matt can I can't even imagine some of my friends have no way to even play their instrument drummers who are home and have their practice space that's closed like oh my god yeah that's definitely yeah that's definitely got to be um, frustrating and hard one of my friends was overseas and he didn't he you know he lives there part of the time and he he just got access to drums a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like to not be able to uh, shed that stuff and then not touch your instrument at all for like three months. Yeah, or have to settle for like V drums if you're not a V drums guy. Like if you're, you know, right. you're like well, I can't can't do this, but let's get these V drums in here and like, you know. I don't know. I can imagine that being like a real, a real difficult thing in terms of B drums. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm not even a drummer and I, I just look at them and go, no. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's feel like drums for real. Right. Okay. Yeah. It, 
it is definitely like a bummer, man. Like definitely sad trombone for V drums. <laughs> um, like I remember in the nineties, I, I was playing somewhere and the drummer was like, Hey, I could just bring my V drums. I was like, ah, oh, please don't, you know, just, <laughs> just, just bring like a kick hi hat and snare like that to me. I yeah, there's a, there's an aesthetic thing that comes with that stuff that, uh, that that I think even though the the sounds are great you know at this point like just using them as a way to trigger like amazing samples I mean that's the weird part of it like if it's just a recording thing um it just seems like there's so many rock records where the drums are are sound replaced to a certain mm-hmm. extent so it's like it it really doesn't matter after a certain point um but I think yeah I think live it does like live you don't want to see that it looks weird you know that's strange I mean, it would be like if I pulled up GarageBand on my phone and then just plugged into the amp and played bass on that. <laughs> Through your phone speaker. Yeah. Yeah. And then just what does kind that of sound like, up. Steve? Do you have an example of what that would sound like? Uh, I don't. I haven't. I, I feel bad. Like, I set this up for a bit, that I and I don't actually have that on my phone. <laughs> um. Yeah, I haven't I haven't messed with that in a while, so I I took it off. But um, that actually isn't a bad app, I'd have to say for uh, for iOS. Like I've I used to have it changed when they went to Lightning, um, but I had I had like a little interface from my phone that I would practice through. It was pretty cool, and um, mm. Logic actually has really good bass amps. I know, right? <clears throat> like the um, kind of wacky. Yeah, like that. They have an Ampeg thing that sounds really good. I would almost put that up against like some of the plugins um, that <clears throat> that have kind of been designed to simulate like a B15. And then mm-hmm. there's they have like an Avalon preamp clone thing, which works really well. Also, like the little uh, the presets are really good. They're pretty similar to the the real U. Uh, I think it's the U5. Uh, it's pretty impressed with it. Apple's got that money, man. They can hire super duper pro guys to make that shit happen. <clears throat> I think Joe Joe Gore worked on all the, all the guitar amps. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they they sound pretty good, man. Um, yeah. I like that platform a lot, and I think one thing I dig about it is uh, they'll make upgrades and stuff, but they don't charge. You know, it's like you, you're buying is like one time and. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. I haven't messed with Pro Tools in a while. It hasn't really come up, but I, I definitely think the model is cool that they have a subscription type thing now. That make that makes perfect sense versus like having to buy it every year, you know, or mm-hmm. every couple of years. Um, yeah, so I still have. I mean, I have a perpetual license which will last forever. I don't have a subscription, but they still hit me up for two hundred bucks a year for just support. <clears throat> Which I never use, but I know if I needed it, I would be bummed that I didn't pay for it. Yeah. So I pay for it and hope for the best. Because you can't get it back once you let it lapse. I see. And you don't get any updates. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. So it's not it's not a subscription. If I stop my if I stop paying them every year, I'll still be able to keep my Pro Tools on my iLock, but I won't be able to update to the next version. So they yeah. sort of sort of got you. <laughs> <laughs> the last Pro Tools I had was ten, and 
I broke my eye lock. This was like around 2013. Like I moved and somehow I broke it. Um, and I never got it replaced. And it, it's one of those things where like, now that I live out here, I think Avid is literally up the street. Like it's in Burbank. Oh um, yeah, probably. I don't, I don't think you can go in there and like make any claims. Like you can't be like, can I get this replaced? But I think, you know, it, it's, I don't know where they do um, the customer service type stuff for that. But like, yeah, I just never, I never really wanted to deal with getting it fixed because it just seemed like it was, was I think that they wanted like 70 bucks. I was like, man, I don't want to pay 70 bucks to get my eye lock fixed. So <clears throat> this isn't a very good story, man, but basically that, <laughs> What happened? Did you go away? No, nah, I basically just, that's, that's when I kind of made the full logic. That's when I kind of just went, went all in with it because it's like, this is cool. The audio is comparable, like as far as, you know, yeah. so it's been, it's been cool. But, uh, what other, are there any plugins that you're particularly excited about? Steve, that wasn't a very good story. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> nah, you like you ever you ever have that thing where you Here's know a like story about my eye lock, right? No, I know it's not. There's no yeah. It's right, it's you hard. Get halfway into the story and you're like, oh boy, did I really start this story? Yeah, like it's we're we're too far in to not finish it, but it's not great till the end. Oh man. <laughs> Any plugins that I've been using a lot. Well, the Audio Movers plugin is amazing. Right. It's really cool. Like, I'm, I'll mix for somebody and I'll send them a link from Audio Movers and they just open, they click on it, it opens in a web page and they can hear my session. Yeah, that's, that's pretty it, cool, man. That's awesome. They hear it really, really high quality audio. It's great. Um, then, you know, they can make their comments and I change them on the fly right there. And they can improve it right there. It's much easier than sending MP3s back and forth or, or files. Yeah, because it's like real time and yeah, you can get Plus that you can feedback. Interact with people and it's good. Just like the olden times. I have um, Zoom. I have Zoom open on one monitor and Pro Tools on the other monitor. Yeah, it's good. There's yeah. a plug. Oh, there's another plugin that's free. It's called Mutomatic. Um, it's from. What's the name of it? Sound Radix is the company that makes it. And all it does is it mutes your your talkback mic while the session is playing. Huh. It's freaking awesome. I put this mic that I'm talking to you on Zoom in right here. <laughs> I put it into my Pro Tools session and I put Munimatic on the channel and then I can I stop and my voice still comes through the audio movers plugin. Right, and then when I push play, it mutes my vocal mic. Wow! And then I could just listen to them through Zoom. Huh? Pretty That's cool. pretty cool. Um, so I've been excited about those kinds of things because they just make community and working life uh, better during Corona season. Hold on. During Corona season. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's the Capitol Chambers, by the way, the UAD Capitol Chambers. 
All right. That's right up the street, by the way, man. Oh, yeah? I've been in that place. It's really nice. Yeah. Sounds good in there. I can understand why they made a plug-in out of it. Yeah. I mean, that whole... It seems like a lot of thought went into that whole design of that building, you know? But you're in Sherman Oaks, aren't you? Yeah. Not on the other whole other side of the planet from Capitol Studios? Um, I mean... I would say in the in the age of Corona, like that's that's Hollywood, right? So that's probably ten minutes from from me right now, like driving wise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like right, 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 right. So like the Hollywood Hills, you're on one end of the hills, and they're on the other end of the hills. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, it's really not that far. Um, and Zappa's place is in between. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like. A lot of times, I think the distance of something out here is measured via the time it takes to get there versus like the actual distance. And, oh, well, yeah. That's and, the famous conversation, right? It's like everything in LA is like, hey, who's going to ride with who? And everything in New York is like, hey, what do you pay for rent? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I got to say, um, I think in a lot of ways, traffic has returned out here, but there was a point definitely early in in all this where uh, um, I could get to Santa Monica in like 15 minutes from where I am. And normally wow. it would be like 30 minutes. Um, could you go stand out in the middle of the freeway and naked and dance around? <clears throat> bother you? Take a big picture? No, it, we, it didn't get to that. We, we, it didn't really get to that level, but it definitely, um, there was a good chunk of time where it was like, there weren't that many people out and uh, it, it was like, you could just kind of go, you could go pretty far and not ever experience any kind of like bottlenecking or slow slowing down. But uh, yeah, it was never, it was never like completely devoid of cars, you know, it was still pretty, uh, pretty, pretty busy, but not like chaotic. Um mm-hmm. Cause, cause that, that particular highway is even if like you have a flight, you have to catch it like 6am. If you go on the four or five at 4am, it's still going to be probably really busy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't know, man. It's, it's been interesting to see, uh, see LA with, with less traffic, you know, you can kind of like drive places and yeah, it kind of feels got like better too, right? Yeah. The air got better. Um, you know, you could be a little more whimsical about, just sitting in a car, you know, it's not, it wasn't like this thing where you got to be calculated because there, there's going to be a weight involved and stuff like that, hmm. which is, which is cool. But, um, yeah, man, that's, that's kind of the state of things, I guess, you know, we're, uh, we're in this Corona wonderland, you know, <laughs> another plug in I'd recommend, sorry to uh, backtrack there. No worries. In the Corona Wonderland, um, <laughs> another plugin I like is uh, Sonar Works Headphone Edition. Do you know that that company? What is that? No, what's the what is the plugin? Basically, they make reference plugins, so they they can they make a it's a a plugin you would put on your master, and when it's on, you can select a, a calibrated profile that EQs your headphones so that they sound flat. Okay. And it has a, a vast database of different headphone models to choose from. 
So I have, you know, I have a pair of Sony's, I have a pair of Sennheiser's, I have a pair of Audio Technica's, and they all sound pretty good, but they all have like their little weird bumps, right? The Sony's are really brittle on top, and the the Sennheiser's have a weird low mid thing, um, but they have really nice, beautiful high end. So anyway, you pick the calibrated profile for the for the headphones, and it just makes the EQ flat, so you can really. When you're mixing, you can really trust that your mix is going to translate. That's the point of it. Okay. And they also make um, the same thing for speakers. Mm-hmm. You, you sit in front of your speakers with this microphone, and they run you through a process that's automated through through their software. And uh, it sends ping noise out of your monitors, and, and the microphone picks it up and then EQs your speakers to uh, just like the headphones so that they're proper in the room. Pretty cool. Huh, that is cool. There's another one like that that's cool. Uh, Waves Abbey Road Studio 3. Do you know about that one? No. What's that, dude? That's crazy. It makes your headphones sound like you're in Abbey Road Studios. Oh, shit. Like you're not in headphones, like you're listening to their speakers. And you can tra- you can go between their near fields, mid fields, and, and big speakers. And you and it also has an element. <laughs> this is crazy. Where you turn on your iPad camera, and <laughs> the plugin in Pro Tools uses your iPad to track your head movement, so that when you turn your head to the side, you hear the speakers are in front of you, and and you feel your head moving in the environment. It's like a virtual reality experience. Oh, I got it. So it's kind of like the augmented reality thing. Is it that? Is that the? I guess so. I mean, I don't know anything about that, but it's, it just kind of tracks your head movement so that when you move your head, it feels like you're in the room and the speakers change depending on how you move your head. Yeah. Because, you know, and when you're mixing, I don't know if you do this, but uh, Gene Paul, the mastering engineer, taught me, like, if you turn your head to one side, you're listening really in mono or figure eight kind of, right? Because you're not hearing anything from your nose and the back of your head. You're hearing from one side. And it's closer to the speakers, and your other side, your other ear is away from the speakers. So it's sort of mono instead of stereo now. Huh. So with this plugin, it makes it so you can actually do that while you're mixing. That's in headphones. Yeah, that's insane, man. Have you? It's kind of good. To go back a minute, did did you ever try that? um, The Boss, like the Waza headphones, that because they have. Oh, they have Waza headphones now? Yeah, and so I tried these at NAMM, and -hmm. basically what it lets you do is you can create like this virtual um, space. So you can make it sound like the amp is in front of you or behind you, Mm -hmm. and um, it's really trippy, man. And it's probably the same kind of tech because it deals with like audio spatial relations, you know? Um, I don't know if they... Is that a headphone guitar amp? Yeah, it's like a headphone Waza guitar. Waza Air wireless guitar headphone amp. I'm seeing it spot on a Sweetwater. Yeah, four hundred bucks. Well, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I don't know if I would part with four hundred bucks right now just to do that. that um, doesn't sound like a four hundred dollar thing. <laughs> but it it is really pretty cool, man. Like it, it definitely. It definitely does like some amazing shit, and uh, you know, it's it's 
just the, just the idea of like being able to play with a space like that and yeah. like have like the 360 degree feel the sound around you know like around your you know around your head but like yeah, the headphones yeah, yeah. kind of it, it is very uh it's very trippy um, I, really I wish love what, i love boss nowadays like they really up the ante yeah i haven't i haven't really used anything in there besides the octave pedal in recent years you know and my oc2 is probably like 30 years old mm-hmm. um but like um do you like were you into any other synth stuff like the vg99 or any of that stuff or the, never got into that stuff um, okay i use an es8 that um, true bypass looper router midi piece okay that thing is amazing um but i just think that their their new products stuff they're coming out with now are, are really innovative yeah it seems like they 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 upped their game a bit in the last five years yeah you know seemed like up until then they were sort of like content making their normal boss pedals and adding once in a while they had add something but it wasn't like groundbreaking yeah like the vg vg99 and stuff seemed cool but it didn't seem cool enough for me to go out and buy it yeah i think that's that's really the mark of something that that's that's really the line i think right like if a company can make some shit that you're like yeah i'll definitely buy this like hands down but if it's just if you're if the takeaway is like okay that that's neat you know like right um because i think the original one of the one of the original flagship things they had was like the vg8 which i think was more i think that was like one of them i think that that came out like in the 90s and i remember someone showed it to me and you could like digitally change where the fundamental was Mm -hmm. you know like you could do all this weird shit and like it was really really like well thought out and stuff but it didn't seem like it was like uber practical for like most for most things you know mm-hmm. um you know i don't know i mean i don't always think the filter of like who's gonna hire you to use it is the best filter for creative stuff you know because i always i've always felt that that's a that's sort of a weird achilles heel for creative people right like there's it's like there's constantly that push and pull where it's like you know just play this kind of acts because that's what people are going to hire you to play like i i've always kind of resisted that personally yeah, um, me too. so i feel like with gear like that where you have these fundamental things it can do that's like really useful like okay i'm playing a set where like if i was a guitar player and like it was a gig where i'd have to sound like i was playing a 12 string but i didn't want to schlep a 12 string for like one song but mm-hmm. the like but the unit like can do that using a midi pickup or whatever and it sounds passable and it's or better than passable like i definitely see the practical use of that but i think just shit that's weird you know like i think that's the one thing i constantly have always fought against man as like someone that plays an instrument where people seem to have opinions about it no matter what you know like i've never been content to be the oh i'll just play a p bass kind of guy like that's mm-hmm. never been like i have a p bass and i love it but that mentality of like conform or die because you won't work otherwise like i never liked that and i uh, never yeah, me neither yeah it just seemed kind of dumb to me yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to call anybody dumb really but 
you know, I think different strokes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like you. I, I, you know, as soon as I get a piece of gear, I push it to the limits and try to find out the things that it doesn't want to do, right? Like uh, yeah. I remember when I first I got a Line 6 guitar, electric guitar, with the the crazy tuning stuff you could do in it, right? Yeah. And, and instead of thinking of it like, oh, here's here's my setup here. I can have a Strat and then a Tele and then a Les Paul and then, a, you know, like that. that's how they kind of set it up so you could hear the different guitars that it can emulate. Instead of doing that, I would just make like all the same guitar but different tunings on every switch move, you know? And then I'd just use it like some kind of weird kind of effect while you're playing so i'd play a chord and then move the switch around and it would kind of go like it sounded like a computer you know that's, uh. i like that's the kind of stuff i like and i i liked um i like digitech for <laughs> because of that because they don't ever limit you in their pedals from doing something like line six um if you set an expression pedal to um change mm. the delay time but then you move the delay time to be in eighth note, sixteenth note, quarter note, you know, synced up to the meet to the tap tempo. They won't let you change between the different eighth note, uh, you know, between the different subdivisions with the expression pedal. You ever notice that? So I haven't, Digi yeah. yeah. So, but Digitech, they'll let you do anything. Like they had a whammy pedal uh, emulation thing in one of their like little tiny kind of consumer market pedals. And you could use the expression pedal to change all the whammy settings. So you could set it so the expression pedal would just go between like octave, second, third, fourth, totally randomly just kind of sweep through these things. And it's to me, that's fun. I love yeah. that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Digitech made some great stuff, man. I think they're yeah. done, right? Isn't that what... what like someone bought sure. the company. I mean, there's or... still stuff for sale. I don't know who bought the company or, I mean, yeah. right before Joe's tour last year, I bought a couple of things that I needed. He needed a 12-string sound, and the only thing that really could make one convincingly was their mosaic pedal. Okay. Yeah, they had some really good stuff, man. Like, they, there's a really good kind of sub-synth pedal called the Meatbox. Then oh, yeah. I remember that one. They had a pretty cool uh, ring mod called the Gonculator. Oh, yeah. That one's great. Um, that and then um, Vernon always liked that. I think he has a couple of these. The Space Station, like the... Oh, yeah. It's it kind of like an expression pedal built in, and it has like a... It's, isn't it a reverb-y thing? Yeah, it's got a reverb thing. There's like some modulation type things, and like I, I hear some sequence like step sequence type, like, what do you call those things, man? Um, like a sequa or something like it kind of, you know, there's like a little, little sequence that plays that filters your shit. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you can like, kind of like, uh, mix it with your dry signal. Uh, and then there's like backwards effects. Um, so that's, a, that was a cool pedal. And the, you know, the whammy, of course, that's classic. That, yeah, that thing's amazing, man. Like I still, in in the, I was gonna say in the right hands, like in the right feet of the of certain people, uh, <laughs> right? Because we're talking about pedals. Uh, um, yeah, I mean that thing. That thing's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
are there any, any any stomp boxes you've been checking out that you've been kind of particularly drawn to as of late? Uh, I just got a blooper. You know that Whoa. one? Chase Bliss blooper? It's a looper that's just blooping. It's blooping great. <laughs> so what is it? Does it have like glitches and stuff? Like what's the... It does a lot of weird things. Um, let's see here. I can play it for you a little bit. Yeah, let's let's hear what it sounds like, man. Let's see what it sounds like, right? Why not? Have you? Um, yeah, let's. Want to hear it? Get a halfway decent sound over here. Let's see. I'll edit this part out, man. So it'll just sound like you were playing and like. Does that sound terrible? That sounds terrible to me. I'm getting some radio static, man. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. What happened? Interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Hmm. Usually it's set up ready to go. And now it's not. <laughs> you gonna edit this part out? Yeah, I'll edit this part out, man. I, I always do a little bit of editing and trimming, you know. Yeah, something's not plugged in right. Hmm. Maybe it's the blooper. Oh, I know what it is. It's because the H9 is not on. There we go. All right. Now, now we're cooking with gas, man. <laughs> Shit, man. All right. Should I be in tune for this segment? Uh, man, tuning's overrated, dude. You know, people are getting into like lo fi microtonal shit. I think it's okay if you're a little bit out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tune a little bit. Not too much. All right. That sounded good. Yeah. Okay, we were going to talk about the blooper. Yeah, man. Let's let's hear this thing. So it's a looper. Let's see if it's working. Oh yeah. Because it sounds like it's going. Sure. That's like that's an octave up and reversed. That's rad. 
I really like it. Yeah, so I just I'm turning the knob that is set to just change the slice of the window. Right. How big oh, that's, is that's tight, man. I really love it. I don't know why. I just like that kind of crap. No man, this that pedal's great. There's a few pedals that have some of those uh traits man like the the tensor which i still oh, yeah. don't own but that pedal's pretty rad well the tensor and the count of five are pre predecessors of the blooper which are also both amazing and do kind of different things than the blooper um the other thing i've been playing with it with is in the hx effects you can have delays that one side does one thing and one side does the other, like this. Do you hear that? Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So, like, one kind of has, like, artifacts. Well, one is a pitch delay, but it's only on one side. But then when it comes back, it feeds the other side. Yeah. So, it... You know, the right side is going up and the left side kind of follows it, but not really. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. I love that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, that's that's great, man. The HX Stomp is definitely something I want to check out because I know bass players who use it um, sometimes uh, in lieu of an amp, you know, like if they're just oh, going, yeah. through, going through in-ears. It's anything. It's an interface. It's a, it's a lot of things. Yeah. I have my, my old standby things. That kind of stuff. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's a HX FX. Okay. It's on another little pedal board. And this, this stuff. stuff that's sort of like the tim the tim lefave octave effect thing that he does when he's playing um except i just have it set to a minor third up oh okay okay <clears throat> so it's just a pitch it's just a pitch uh effect that goes up a minor third And then I just play blues licks and wank around on that thing. Sound, I mean, dude, you know, that that sounds fucking awesome. Sounds like I'm doing something. I mean, isn't that isn't that kind of like that what's that Adrian Ballou effect that he uses where it kind of sounds like that? Um, the impossible pedal. Yeah, that's where I learned it from. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he had he had Digitech made him a pedal called the impossible pedal. Yeah. And the way he does it, uh, he does it up a fourth, something like that. I think maybe up a fifth and down a fourth. So it, it's every other time it does something different. Yeah. Um, and he's, he showed me on his pedal board that he used to have a guitar synth that he made sound just like his guitar. 
and then he'd have an expression pedal that would do that. But he and so he would have the expression pedal down, and it would just it wouldn't have any synth in the mix. And when he raised the expression pedal, it would just turn the synth on, and the synth would be t tuned so that every string was kind of out and in a different place. Wow. And he said that the what he came up with that because he was touring so much, I guess with Crimson or somebody or himself, or and he said he was getting bored of his own solos. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, I man. I love Adrian so much. And uh, he programmed that so that when he got bored, he could like do something to himself to make himself like himself again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I so, definitely, I definitely think that's that's pretty uh, admirable. So, like, yeah, you know, to like yeah. blow blow the doors off of your own stuff just out of the you know, out of the uh, need to feel like you're doing something inventive and fresh. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude. I mean, we all, we all have those moments where we get bored with our own stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you, what do you tend to do when you get to that place? Like what's the, uh, what's your, what's been your formula? Like, uh, well, I don't know. I don't get easily bored, but uh, I was just yeah. going to say one more thing about the Adrian thing is. Oh yeah. Yeah. He told me that he picked up a fourth and down a fifth or whatever he picked. It wasn't a radical harmony. And he said that that was the most musical thing that that would, that would fit into any kind of song. And so when I did it, I chose up a minor third because I'm more of a Miles Davis fan probably than Adrian. Right. You know what I mean? So everything, I, I just wanted everything to sound like it was really crazy to diminish scales. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> um and I don't know. I just I really like I really like it. I've I've integrated it into my thing. Uh, what do I do when I get bored of myself? Yeah, you know. Actually, one thing I got to say about that whole entire thing is, um, I'll use that thing, the upper minor third button, and um, play a bunch of stuff and record it, and then I'll transcribe it and try to learn how to play it without the pedal. Okay. Which to me is like amazing. Because it, it, sometimes it comes out, you know, it depends on how you hit the pedal in rhythm. Sometimes it comes out not so rhythmic. Sure. Um, so to figure out what those licks became when they went through the shredder is just complete fun. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that makes sense, though. <clears throat> how hard are those things to physically execute? Like, is that... Is that sometimes they're completely impossible and sometimes they're like, Oh, that's, I should have known that already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's what I mean though. I mean, just how do you, I don't mean, if, I don't know if getting bored is the right phrase as much as like, how do you break out of patterns? Maybe you're feeling like a little too comfortable in. So that, that whole thing makes sense. Um, I think for me, that stuff is conceptual. Like I'm not, I don't know. I'm not one to. Um, I like my playing pretty much. I don't. I don't have any real things that I wish I could do that I can't really do. I guess I could be a better better at picking, or you know, there's stuff that I could get better at, and then I practice once in a while. Um, I like to practice reading sometimes. Um, I, yeah, I like to uh, go through books that I have and check out different chords. Ted Green books or like that Miles. What's his name? Miles Akozawa. 
Oh his yeah, yeah. Is, his book is incredible. I learned a lot from that book. Um, and that always that's it's good to kind of keep studying that kind of stuff because it it just feels good to expand your brain. Um, but I'm not I don't do it because I'm unhappy with anything. I just feel like that's just fun to do, right? Just stay a constant student. Yeah. Somehow. Um, but I, you know, I still just like to play blues licks and get a good sound and <laughs> you know, what <laughs> nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, there there really isn't, man. I think um yeah. Hey, what yeah. do you think? Well, I think being a perpetual student is the way, you know. Because mm-hmm. I just think, um, you know, there's an illusion that everyone adopts as as a musician where it's like, if you just focus on a couple areas, like you'll sort of be up and running. But that doesn't mean that it's it doesn't mean that that's the final phase, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's there's things that I get excited about now that are things that I never considered you know, at other points being a musician, like there's a sonic thing sometimes that I get really into that. Like, I, I know I didn't always think about, um, there's like, I mean, I just, I think it just depends on like what, what it is. Like for me, what I've been practicing lately has more to do with like just being in a, some kind of a flow playing wise. So like I've been, instead of like just running scales or uh, practicing like aimlessly with like, I'll, I'll like set up like a groove or program something and just play with it and see if I can see how long I can stay engaged with it. So it sounds like I'm flowing with it versus just I'm practicing something in time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to practice like, you know, how expressive I can be and then land right in the, center of the beat you know like stuff like that like mm. you know because yeah. i feel i feel like there's that's inherently usable stuff that i'll do um in anyone's musical context you know like it's it's not like because there's definitely some bass shit that i i'll practice that's really not stuff that's compatible with like what other people are would need me for you know but it's stuff that i like to work on because it's just something i do you know but nobody cares if I can, you know, do pull offs or do like weird shit with all my fingers on my right hand. Um, you know, it's not going to help their groove sound better, but you know, I, I, there's a space for that too. But, um, yeah, right now I've just been getting into trying to use everything I have in like real time. So, you know, like I'll, I practice with my pedal board and I'll try to switch sounds and, you know, cause I feel like all that stuff is, you know, there's an art to that too, like making it seamless and not, you know, not making it sound like you're sort of trying to jump at the right spot, you know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Practicing the pedal board is important. If you're going to use pedals, you got to be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> don't be have people out there. Don't be having pedals if you're not going to be good at it. Right. Yeah. It's like, you, you know, know, and I, I get all those blues guys who are like, man, why do you have so many pedals? I go, because I'm good at it. Because I practiced it, that's why I have them. Yeah, you didn't. You don't have them because you didn't practice it ever. Don't yeah. be pooping on my parade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The way the way I would say people should not should, but like one one viewpoint that 
you know, it's like, it's all, all that stuff is part of your instrument, you know, like it's really not, exactly. it's yeah. taking up some floor space, but you know, essentially it's a guitar with like lots of switches and buttons and knobs, you know, it's just not yeah. all on the, on the physical part of the guitar. Yeah. The other answer I have to those guys is, well, you know, all the, but oh, they all have off and on switches. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think purists are funny, man. Uh, in, in 2020, I think purists are really funny. Yeah. Hilarious. Cause, cause the, I think the blind spot that people have, I mean, I guess we all kind of do this. Like it's all, it's all kind of, you can always like move the narrative to kind of support what your efforts are. You know, like there's, there's bass players that are like, man, fuck five string and six string basses, but then they don't really play five string and six string basses. So it's like, okay, like that's fine if you feel like that, but, but like, I don't know if anyone needs to say that either. You know, it's just one of those, one of those things, you know, like when it, when it becomes more about the gear and not so much, like, I feel like people can like validate their statements by just playing well, you know, and they don't have to, they don't have to like get on a, unless they, unless someone asks them like point blank, Hey, what do you think of, you know, what do you think of five string bass? And then someone's like, well, fuck five string bass. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right on, man. You know, like then, then I get it, but just, I don't know. I think there's, I don't, I don't know if like, uh, I don't, I don't think that kind of stuff has to be political all the time. Like, I think, I think there's a, there's an ethos that's cool about playing straight into the amp, but I also think, you know, uh, for me, it really just comes down to the music and what it exactly what it ends up sounding like. The music and the song will tell you what to do every time. Yeah. Anything else is fucking bullshit. Right. <laughs> right. If I'm playing a trippy country gig and the the singer says to me, "Hey man, can you boot do something weird in the bridge?" You know, I'm gonna bring my uh, blooper or my electro harmonics, whatever you know, something to make it sound how they want. Of course. Yeah doesn't matter that it's a country gig i don't care yeah i'll figure well, out my way of doing that you know? yeah but there's also a business thing to it also like there's like there there's a some of that stuff is very sellable like i've noticed with gear i don't know if it's this i definitely it's prevalent in the guitar thing so it's like you've got the guys that play like the vintagey stuff and they use certain kinds of amps and certain kinds of pedals but then you got the other camp where it's like okay I'm using amp sims and impulse responses and it's all in the box and like, you know, it's 2020 and like my, my instrument has like, you know, it looks like some shit from the future. You know I mean? I, I just think it's all, it's all valid at the end of the day, but, but exactly. it, it really starts and stops with what the music sounds like. That's, you know? that's what I think. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. I mean, anybody, it's, anything else is, is not really, worth paying attention to yeah well it's either music or it's selling vacuum cleaners you know what i mean like that's that's really what it is i think you know like that's that's kind of the that's kind of the um the simplicity of it but i think what's cool is like you know the ability to like stretch whatever your musical thing is into different realms because of like the one thing i really like about your playing is, is like it's super sonic you know like there's a lot of shit sonically to like to like deal with besides just like the the good ideas you know you could do your whole thing on a guitar with no effects you know and it would be just as strong but 
I like, you know, it's, it's cool to hear like the colors you choose to, to augment it with, you know? Hmm. Thanks, Steve. Well, Hey man, you know, that's, that's, that's the truth of the matter. But like the rhythmic component is like, like fundamentally sound, you know? And I think like, that's, that's the thing. I mean, the one thing I really liked, cause you know, the first, iteration of your playing I heard was in the context of Lupistra, which I would, you know, like for as open as the parameters are, like I'd say that's a rhythmic, there's a rhythmic thing happening there first, right? Would you say or no? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but it is, it is interesting. It's interesting to, uh, to see like the rationale or how people like conceptualize, you know, gear and like how to use it and all that stuff um well yeah um i usually (laughs) (laughs) um i usually i usually wrap with this question um any any books or movies you've been watching or stuff you've been listening to uh well stuff i've been listening to hmm Stuff I've been listening to. Um, you know, I'm reading a book called Surviving the Death of a Sibling. Okay. And for anybody who's ever lost a sibling, I highly recommend it. Um, movies. I haven't watched a movie in a while. I just, uh, I don't know why. I, I've been stuck on Curb Your Enthusiasm and Twilight so. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... That's definitely um that's definitely great though. There's a lot there. Yeah. And uh Miles' book and the Ted Green books. That's you know. Um the uh the Dan Earlwine How to Make Your Guitar Player Your Guitar Play Great. You ever read that? That's pretty good. No, is he the <laughs> is he the Stu Mac guy? Or is he like a He is a yeah, he's featured on Stu Mac a lot. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely watched their videos for uh for guidance here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how to make your own action adjustments and truss rod things, stuff like that. Yeah. I've been. I'm, st- I'm struggling with one of their items that they have. It's, t- it's a little bit too expensive. They have a thing called the fret kisser. <laughs> and it's for guitars. Like if you have one fret that's a little bit too high and it's buzzing. Yeah. You just take this thing. It's got like two spots that are are not sandpaper and another spot that is and it's made out of metal and you just kind of slide it along the frets that don't have the high spot and it shaves down the fret in between that has the high spot to exactly the same height as the other two frets wow which i desperately need one of those things because i'm sick of going to people to ask them to do that and then they mess it up um and but it's 125 dollars. it's a little bit much that's that's a yeah that's a lot man that's i would say for the most part that's the only shit i can't really do on my own is like fret stuff but i can do you know like the bare bones like i can set my intonation and i can like get my bases playing like i know how to set the playability in action to where i would want it um i'm gonna save up for that thing and get one and probably ruin all my guitars (laughs) (laughs) and go running back to my guitar repair guys and 
Man, I didn't think I messed it up. Right. Is anybody open right now? Like, is 30th Street, are those guys functioning now or no? I think they just opened. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy about a half a block from me who he probably wouldn't want advertisement for his business. Okay. Because he only, he's, you know, he's an older guy and he does it, basically he does it for fun, but he's really good at it. Okay. And uh, he's half a block away from me, so I go to him a lot. That's cool. We won't talk about what block that is either, man. Just the yeah, no, no, no. It's not that kind. Lining up outside his house, please. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. It's not that kind of show, man. You know. (laughs) Always a blast, Steve. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing this. That was really fun. That's gonna do it for this episode. If you want to learn more about Teddy, you can go to his website, which is teddycumple.com. Thanks so much for listening. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Be well. Yeah.